Hi everyone, I'm Ron Corning. Welcome to Horse Sense Street Smart Investing. I have the honor today of uh, opening the podcast and introducing both Clark Hodges and our special guest, Alan Ebright, the Director of Client Relationships. Hey guys, good to see you. Good to see you. You're a lot better at that than me. <laughs> oh, come on. You're getting there though, Clark, right? We take baby steps here. Now, don't ask me any questions about how to manage money because I can't do that. You see how we're we're a balancing act here. There you go. Um, all right, Alan, good to have you here. Thank you for being here. And and I love that you're here because we really want to break down for people in terms they understand uh, the nuanced differences, maybe nuanced, maybe in some cases not so nuanced, uh, between financial advisor and a registered investment advisor, which Clark and Craig both are that and, and there are other officers here. Um, what is the main difference? Well, first off, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, I kind of like to, to, to tell people that when you're out looking for financial advice, most of the time people think it, it's a very level playing field, that if you go meet with financial advisor A, he's going to tell you, he or she's going to tell you the exact same thing as financial advisor B. And sadly, it's just not the case. So you have you as a, a prospective client of an advisor have to be asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. um, there are some advisors out there that make a living by selling insurance products, annuities or life insurance, and they can call themselves financial advisors. Um, the typical advisors that work for brokerage firms or banks, they call themselves financial advisors. Um, and a lot of their compensation might come from selling financial products to gain some sort of a commission. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when you're selling a product to get a commission, it does invite in potential conflicts of interest between the client advisor relationship. Mm -hmm. And what I found is the individual investor with every growing year becomes more aware of the landscape. There's more information out there. They educate themselves. And my, my number one thing for people is start with a registered investment advisor. And that means that that entity, Hodges is a registered investment advisory. And when you have that multi-decade client advisor relationship, uh, it's going to move along swimmingly. There's no hidden agenda. There's no ulterior motives, but to just give you the unbiased financial advice. It is interesting, Clark. We talked about age in the last podcast and about at what age do you begin to seek help? Are you seeing now in this environment with more young people having more access to trading stock as day traders on Robinhood and it's more the topic on social media platforms and et cetera, that younger people are more interested than they used to be in how they invest and save their money? And are they seeking financial help or are they seeking um, your help sooner than maybe they were 10 or 20 years ago? Well, it's definitely more of a popular topic. You know, I would say that the younger Robinhood type crowd, if they're day trading, if they're getting in, getting out, they're really gambling and they will learn that over time, which will make them really good investors in the long run. Let's say a 25 year old person is doing it now then when they're 35, they're going to have taken some lumps along the way and figured out, hey, this is probably something I should change the way I look at it. It's not gambling, it's investing, mm -hmm. which means you buy and you hold. You don't try to trade in and out of stocks. Mm -hmm. But by and large, when, when the market came back so much from the low after the pandemic started, it's shocking to me, but it's definitely a topic, again, that you, you know, 
wherever you are, people are talking about it. So there's definitely more and more people, you know, into looking at the market, talking about the market. It's just a matter of, do they hire somebody to do it for them or do they want to do it themselves? Mm. I think your dad had so many amazing quotes, many of which he came up with himself and shared and and, and gave that advice out. Others that he's collected in his book from other people that just inspired him. I love this one about risk. I'm going to tee you up to deliver that quote from your dad. Yeah, my dad would always say, you don't need to avoid risk. You need to assess the risk because there's risks in life. You know, driving home today without a seatbelt, that's a risk, right? So you need to assess the risk. So a research analyst's job at our firm would be to find in the company that he's, he's looking at, what are the risks to this company going forward? And are they too much to take? Are the, is the risk too much for us to take? Or is it something that you can assess and say, you know, that's not a bad risk. That's just, that's just a, a, a normal day-to-day type risk, if you will. So it is something to, you have to have risk in an investment mm-hmm. to, to make money at it, right? So it is something that dad would always say is you have to assess that risk, not avoid it, not run from it. Well, it's, it's interesting. And I, again, this is, this is not to say anything disparaging about those who work for larger firms and are financial advisors, but conventional wisdom has been that has trickled down to those of us who are sort of lay people trying to invest our money, that the older you get, the more conservative you have to get in how you invest your money. And what you're basically saying, I think, Clark, and what your dad believed and what you now believe with, with your private client product is essentially... You don't have to necessarily be risk averse. The older you get, you just have to be better at risk assessing. And that's what you you folks are here for. Your dad used to invest in risky mutual, you know, what would be categorized as yeah. risky at 80? At 80, right. His own fund that he managed, he was putting money every single month into that fund. He died at almost 81 years old, but that was still going into the fund at 80 years old. He obviously knew what he was investing in. He believed that that common stocks was the best way to have capital appreciation, to mm-hmm. beat inflation, and he was basically investing his money for the next generation. And so he was okay with the level of risk that that gave him because he was fine with his money. He wanted to invest that for the family, for the next generation. So, um, Alan, a registered investment advisor will give you the benefit of choosing individual stocks based on any number of factors at any particular time. So, for example, the concerns about inflation that many are talking about, there are companies out there that may be inflation proof, and those companies could be part of a portfolio of stocks that an RIA or registered investment advisor could pick. Is that a good example? Well, a little bit. Let me give you a little more kind of uh, context here. So okay. there are there are other advisors out there that might use individual stocks. Being a registered investment advisor is just a legal setup for how you run your practice with the relationships you have with your clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we bring to the table is having a group of dedicated analysts inside of your organization that spend eight to nine hours a day researching individual stocks That's a pretty unique thing to find out there. Um, Most advisors, they could be working alone. Maybe they work with a small group of two or three people, a small amount of staff. They don't have the bandwidth um, to have a dedicated research group. 
And so the typical advisors out there tend to rely on extensive product usage. They use mutual funds and ETFs and other products inside the portfolios of their clients. And um, there are a lot of inefficiencies that can come from a portfolio like that. There's going to be a fee redundancy in that type of situation where you're paying your advisor a fee to handle your affairs. And then, then, then you're paying the mutual fund as well. Correct. And then yeah. you're paying the, the fund fees on top of that. Um, so when you come to, to the Hodges private client group, it's more of a white glove type of experience that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And we work it out with you on a case by case situation, discuss the needs for the money. As Clark said, you know, sometimes older clients will come to us and they, they look at their money. They're in their late sixties or seventies and tell us that they're financially fine. And this money does need to be invested for future generations. And so we take that into consideration. I I, I'm curious about this because investing and watching your money grow or watching your money dip as it has, (laughs) as we know, when, you know, markets crash, I'm thinking of 08 in particular, where people were told, do not open your statements. The market will go back up. Don't do anything impulsive. Don't react emotionally. Individual investors, I would think, could have a more emotional connection to the stocks they buy. And Clark, your dad used to speak to that. He used to say, you don't own this at some point. Yeah. You don't own the stock. It owns you. What right. did he mean by that? It, there's a There's a ton of stocks out there that are in my, my term, I would use are price to perfection. They're trading at a high multiple. Their earnings are growing at a nice clip, maybe 25, 30% top line growth every single quarter. And the stock's been going up every single quarter. But if there's a hiccup, that stock is priced to perfection. If there's a hiccup, the stock mm-hmm. probably comes down. So his point was, you look at your stocks, you know, maybe once a day, see how they're doing, right? But if you've got one of those price perf- perfection stocks, you're going to check it three or four times a day because you could end up not looking at it for an hour or two and some bad news come out. And all of a sudden it's down a huge percentage on that one day. Yeah. So he liked to say, you know, when you buy something, buy it at a valuation where you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to watch it. No, and that's not for everybody, but those high flying stocks that everyone loves to talk about, they're priced to perfection. Yeah, priced to perfection. And by checking it three and four times a day, and now we have, of course, access to do it right right here, the stock ends up owning you. The other thing was, I think you said this, Alan, and I I don't know from where it came, but don't fall in love with your stocks because they won't love you back. (laughs) That's correct. Something like that, right? Yeah, it is. Don't fall in love with stocks because they have no love for you. Um, It's actually a very relevant phrase. And when I sit down with people who have been kind of the do-it-yourself investor types, and we've had this long bull market run that we've had since, you know, midway through 2009, um, some people tend to own a lot of one or two stocks. And what do I mean by a lot? Like a material amount of money in those stocks. And if something bad happens, like Clark alluded to, it can really hurt you from a return perspective and it affects your overall portfolio. So, you know, even though you might just have this affinity for that stock because it's done so well for you, mm-hmm. you can't just continue to extrapolate that that stock will continue to deliver for you. Well, that's interesting you say that though, because it's it's really so tempting to try to replicate 
what we've heard about the Tesla Air, the Tesla Air, I guess they call yeah. it, right? Where people who, having never invested before, were told invest in Tesla. And I, I read one story of a guy who every single paycheck put $100 in Tesla starting in 2017 and now has several million dollars. So you hear that and you see that on these public forums and you hear about people, quote unquote, getting rich quick on Robinhood and so forth. And what you're saying doesn't really align with the experience they're hoping to have. So how do you reconcile those with a young person who comes to you with these heightened expectations? You know, psychologically, that the psychological side of investing can mess with you. And generally speaking, the younger you are, the more uh, you're going to be taking that risk and not understand what the, the you, you know, don't fall in love with these stocks. Mm -hmm. So it is, it is really a thing. I mean, when you talk about how a market can correct and you talked about how the market's done since 09, um, in 08, when it went down, a lot of people were like, oh my gosh, I can't stand this. I got to get out. But a good financial advisor is recommending that you got to stay the course because history tells you that after about 18 months, that market comes back and you're actually back to where you were. It's not like that's great news. Hey, I got to wait 18 months. But at least it, it lets you know that the majority of the time these, these stocks go up, markets go up, and just be patient and wait. Now, easier said than done, right? Yeah. But aren't those downturns an opportunity to buy some of your favorite stocks that will rebound at a discounted price? No doubt. Right? But like, you know, let's say the market's down 300 points on a given day. The next day it's down 300 points. And a professional would say, that's a good opportunity. But when you are actually putting your money on the line, how do you know that tomorrow won't go down another 300 points? Yeah. So you're always, you know, the, the psychological side of investing always does mess with you. But in the long run, if you've got a long-term focus and you say, hey, I, I'm buying this thing 10 or 15% cheaper after this market sell-off and I still like the company long-term, then I'd say, generally speaking, it's probably not a bad idea to add to it, buy more, or get in at that point. What would you say, Alan? Okay, I won't mention any, any specific company because we don't want anyone to misconstrue that as giving them advice about a particular company. But let's presume you're one of those folks who has been inspired to invest in a company uh, for whatever reason. You used their product, you believed in it, a friend tipped you off, and all of a sudden you've turned over the course of three or four years a relatively moderate amount of money into a couple of million dollars, and that's the only thing you own. You are saying what to that person at this point with that windfall investment? Well, first thing you say is congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about that. And it's, it's very hard to have a conversation and taking the contra side of that from like a risk mitigation standpoint. But um, I think what you have to do is say, look, you took X amount of dollars and grew it, whatever the number is, 100%, 200%, 300%. You should be congratulated for that. But at a certain point, that that whatever you own could come back to bite you. And you have to diversify away that risk, mm -hmm. right? And humans... We have this this uh, this thing with losses. We feel losses, I believe, four times more than we feel uh, the euphoria from a gain. And when those losses start, it can really drag you down. And you might get into a situation where you think it's going to come back. That stock was so good to me, it's going to come back. And it keeps going lower and lower and lower. And you just have to have a certain point where you do diversify away that risk. 
that yep. party does end. Yeah. Just like every party. Yep. And as soon as that party ends, you hope there's another party happening just down the block, right? And that's where you need to no, assess the risk of, yeah. hey, I got in at this thing at such and such level, owned it three or four years. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, what time is the party? Is it 2 a.m. or are we still at 1030? <laughs> it's at 1030. Let's go, right? Let's keep it going. 2 a.m.'s coming. You're getting close. And so you're really... You're really playing with fire. To and sometimes point. you need a party planner to help you figure that out. <laughs> there you and go. that's where you come that's in, where you go. in keeping with the analogy. Guys, thank you so much. Really some, some, some great guidance here for people who are watching. And remember, if you're watching, ask your questions, comment on the page. These guys are here to answer your questions uh, in future podcasts. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you next time. Hodges Capital Management Incorporated, HCM, is an investment advisory firm registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission, SEC, is a wholly owned subsidiary of Hodges Capital Holdings and serves as investment advisor to the Hodges Funds. HCM is affiliated with First Dallas Securities Incorporated, a broker, dealer, and investment advisor registered with the SEC. This discussion is not intended to be a forecast of future events and should not be considered a recommendation to buy or sell any security. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Investing involves risk. Principal loss is possible. Investing in smaller companies involves additional risk, such as limited liquidity and greater volatility. No current or prospective client should assume that information referenced in this communication is a recommendation to buy or sell any security or is a substitute for personalized investment advice from your individual advisor. HCM does not provide tax or legal advice. Consult your tax or legal advisor for any related questions. All information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable and is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. This material was created for informational purposes only, and the opinions expressed are solely those of HCM. HCM shall not in any way be liable for claims and makes no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced and are subject to change without notice.